We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA Podcast. It is Thursday, February 7th. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. It is just over an hour from the end of the NBA trade deadline, James. Uh, a pretty busy afternoon for us. Uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes work goes into a day like this at Rotowire. There were baseball trades going on. Our baseball magazines arrived at the office like literally five minutes before the trade deadline. Um, so it's been a hectic day. We're coming off of a tough loss in rec league last night. I'm sore. I'm beaten down. Uh, but we persevere. And we're here to break down everything that happened over the last couple of hours. We didn't get an Anthony Davis trade. Uh, a couple notable ones to touch on. But to me, even though there were there was like a high volume of trades, it seemed like 60% of them were, you know, Shelvin Mack for Tyler Dorsey, Caleb Swanigan for Scalabissier. Mm-hmm. And then half of those, you know, one of the guys or both is getting waived. Um, so it was, a, it was an eventful deadline, but one that that passed without too much you know, like too many fireworks, I guess. So where do you want to start? Marcus Uh We can start with Marcus Gasol, sure. All right. Um, 
So Marcus All goes to Toronto. I, I was a little bit underwhelmed with the return that Memphis got back. And, and obviously, Marcus All is not in his prime. He's 34, and he's expensive, and he has a big player option next year. But you're bringing back a guy in Valanciunas who is basically like 70% of Gasol, both as a player and in terms of money. He, too, has like a $17 million player option next year, um, which given how his role and kind of that type of player, even though he's only 26, has kind of disintegrated in today's NBA, I feel like there's a pretty good chance he picks that up. So in terms of shedding money, yeah, you're you're slicing off 8 or $9 million that you'd maybe pay to Gasol if he picked up his option. But you know, if Valanciunas picks it up, to me, that you know that savings is somewhat negligible. You do get DeLon Wright, who's restricted. You would imagine they'll probably try to keep him around. So a pretty decent young piece, uh, as well as C.J. Miles and a, a future second rounder. That one is five years off, 2024. Um, but I think for Toronto, it was important to do this deal and not have to give up OG Ananubi, <clears throat> excuse me, not have to give up Fred Van Vliet, and obviously not have to give up Pascal Siakam, who probably wasn't going to be on the table for anybody except for you know an Anthony Davis level player. Yeah, I think that it kind of just boils down to a distant second rounder plus a little bit more uh, for Marcus All, which to me seems pretty fair, just given the fact that you know that option, that player option, it's going to be either it's it's going to be bad for the team either way. Like either he can't do better, which means he you know doesn't look all that great down the stretch and you're stuck with him for Mm -hmm. like 25 mil next year and if he declines it that probably means that he you know improves his stock uh, over the rest of the season and maybe you would have preferred he did not decline it but uh, DeLon Wright I think is a guy that they weren't going to be able to afford to bring back anyway I think he was probably going to get something close to what they ended up giving Norman Powell and um, you're you're not going to be able to afford to, to keep him around with the other players they have under contract so uh yeah i mean this is a fair price i think there were people that expected the grizzlies to get more than this for a guy like gasol but um you know i think it i think it boils down to a pretty fair trade yeah well i think memphis did its due diligence with gasol i mean this time two days ago and even this time yesterday it looked like he was on the move to charlotte you know his locker had been cleared out he you know he had kind of left the the team before a game only to rejoin them later like he that deal was almost done uh and we don't we never really heard what what caused that to fall through or you know what offer was on the table that toronto perhaps topped but i mean to me does this is it fair to say that this signals that toronto is all in for this year i think you know some people saw this trade and and read into it as they don't feel great about you know Kawhi coming back unless they really make a run unless they get to the finals um I I don't read it that way at all because I don't think they really hurt themselves long term with this and like they you know if if I think no matter what happens with Kawhi they would probably prefer to have Marcus Saul pick up that player option than Jonas Valanciunas pick up his player option so I think it's just a they're better in the short term and it doesn't hurt them in the long term type of situation yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see how Gasol fits. I mean, they've been they pushed Valanciunas to the bench to begin this year before he got hurt. He's been out almost two months with a hand injury, uh, but they've been going Ibaka, Siakam, Kawhi, uh, Danny Green, Kyle Lowry when everybody's healthy, which really hasn't been all that often. It seems like guys have been in and out for them all year, especially Kawhi. Now I would imagine they go Gasol. I mean, do you, do you bring Serge off the bench? Do you do you go Siakam off the bench? 
Yeah, I mean, at least he kind of gives you another look, and he can space the floor and, and kind of give you that same big body defensively that Valanciunas did, but Valanciunas obviously doesn't offer the shooting. Yeah, that's a really tough job uh, for the coach to kind of manage whoever's ego it is that of those three guys, I mean, none of them deserve to come off the bench. Like right. They're all deserving start starters. Uh, so it, I think you <laughs> – if you think you can convince <clears throat> Ibaka or Gasol to come off the bench, I think that that would be the best basketball yeah. move is to have one of them come off the bench. Uh, but I kind of have a feeling that those two would probably take the biggest issue with that. Uh, I think Siakam, no matter whether he starts or comes off the bench, Siakam's going to finish games ag- yeah. against every single team. Uh against certain teams i think it makes sense for surge to finish games and gasol to be on the bench against other teams i think it makes sense for gasol to finish games so uh, i think you kind of approach the players and you know maybe you have siakam come off the bench just because you can promise him like you're always going to finish the games for us Mm -hmm. uh and this is just a way to keep the two big guys happy um but yeah i mean it's it's kind of a fascinating decision and now they just have this really really strong seven top seven guys where it's you know whichever one of those guys comes off the bench and then fred van vliet and you know you're you're kind of protected against you know someone rolling an ankle somebody getting into foul trouble in in a big game or something like that Mm -hmm. Uh, that's just a really really strong seven and it's a versatile seven where you can kind of put a lot of different looks out there depending on who you're playing against i like the matchup against Embiid. I think that was certainly part of the thought process. Al Horford, um, you know, Brooke Lopez, not really the same type of center as those other two, but all the other contending teams, the other three, you know, have that center in place. And, and Toronto really didn't, you know, Ibaka's been okay, but he's not really a natural center. Um, and, and I think, you know, this is Toronto's obviously big splash for this year. Does this change your outlook on them? I mean, we'll, we'll get to Milwaukee adding Nikola Mirotich in a second, but, you know, when you look at, the hierarchy of the East now over the next two and a half months after today, do you put these teams, Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston specifically, or and Philly, uh, in any different order now than you would have 24 hours ago? Uh, you know, I would have given of the top three team of, of Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston, I think I would give the edge to whoever had home court uh, 24 hours ago. And I think that probably still applies with kind of the caveat that you know I don't think the Celtics are going to have home court so I I would give the Raptors and the Bucks uh mm-hmm. the edge over Boston in a seven game series um you know Toronto versus Milwaukee I think they're kind of pretty close to dead even on a neutral you know like just yeah. stacking them up i mean it's it's really tough to like i would expect that series to go seven i mean that would just be uh, a really fun series and it, i mean it might come down to injuries might come down to like foul trouble uh stuff like that i mean it's just so close right now so heading into thursday night milwaukee's up two games on toronto up five and a half on indiana on indiana up five and a half on boston and up six and a half on philly Indiana's going to continue to slide. I mean, they they did add uh, Wes Matthews. He got bought out by the Knicks and pretty much immediately went there. That helps, but I think you know we we we've played what seven or eight games now without Oladipo, and and I think when when that number gets closer to twenty or twenty five, um, they're going to miss him a lot more. Um, 
and Philly, you know, we, we can we can move to that one next. I mean, this happened a couple of days ago already, but adding Tobias Harris, giving up the Miami pick, which to me was was shocking that that was on the table or even was required uh, to make that deal happen. Um, I mean, Philly is now, I think, the most top-heavy team in the league. Their, their starting five, to me, is not as good as the Warriors, obviously, but it's the best starting five, I, I think, one to five in the East. Their bench, though, we'll, we'll see what they do on the buyout market. They've pretty much depleted most of their future assets. They traded Markel Fultz today. Um, you know, if any of those guys get hurt or foul trouble or just in the course of a playoff series, you need more than five guys. Um, I would be a little bit worried, but in terms of top end talent, um, there's not a team really that can match up with Philly, um, at all five of those positions right now. Well, I think that if we were just ranking all the players in the league, I think that Philly's top five would finish higher than anyone else's yeah. top five, but I don't necessarily think that means they're going to be the best five man unit. I, th- I think that the pieces uh still you know you've got a lot of fit issues and a lot of uh personality issues i think you know the the way the bucks kind of run like a a well-oiled machine and and toronto kind of the same thing uh it's because everyone sort of has a role and knows their role and i just i'm interested to see whether the sixers can kind of band together and uh put sort of ego and and stats aside and try to win games or whether it's going to be kind of your turn my turn Mm -hmm. and to me it you know it kind of comes down to uh ben simmons like i i think that he he kind of has to embrace the sort of draymond green type of role where uh he should be like every single night in the playoffs his goal should basically be to get his teammates involved and to be the best defensive player on the court like if he's trying to uh you know put his offense ahead of his defense I just don't think there's really any room for that I think he has to be fine scoring like 11 points and dishing 12 assists and getting Mm -hmm. you know he should he should finish some games with more rebounds and assists than points and he should be uh, a guy that just causes havoc on the defensive end and if he does that I think a lot of the pieces might kind of fit into place um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be really kind of fascinating. I, 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 I still like, uh, the other three teams more than the Sixers, but, uh, this is definitely a big swing. And I think that they probably this summer and kind of the, the next three or four years were more in mind when they made this deal than mm-hmm. this specific playoff run. Cause even after this acquisition, I just, I think they'd be kidding themselves if they thought that they were going to go win the title with this team that they just kind of slapped together on the fly I think that the whole point of this was you know whatever happens with Jimmy Butler we can sign Harris or if right you know it, it's well, kind they of said, they said they want to sign both which they can I mean they're going to dip I, extremely into luxury tax once Simmons comes around I think it well so I think that this also um you know there's been a lot of rumors and theories that they are not going to give jimmy butler the full max mm-hmm. and so this is sort of a leverage piece of like well you know sorry we're this is what we're offering you you can turn it down but right. if you i mean we're just gonna give tobias harris the most we can give him if you turn it down so yeah um i don't know i think it's it's more just kind of a no matter what we want to be sure that we have three of these four guys going forward yeah. and you know i think that the miami pick that you mentioned is just a huge huge get for the clippers uh 
you know, whether they use it or they use it uh, to trade for a guy right. in a year or two, I think that's just a, a massive get because, um, as we've talked about many times, the Heat at that point could be, you know, one of the seven or eight worst teams in the league. I mean, yep. that wouldn't be that surprising. Given their contract situation, their <laughs> roster situation, yeah, I would say that's that's almost like more likely. Maybe not seven. Yeah, I would say it's more likely that they're a lottery team in 2021 than not. Because that's not that far out. 2021 <clears throat> always, well, like, you know, it, it seems like a, a long way. It, oh, that's only two it's years. It's kind of like the, do you bet on, like, I almost feel like most years you could give Eric Spolstra just any roster and he could get it yeah. to the seventh or eighth seed in the East. Uh, but, yeah, you just don't know what could happen between now and then. Mm-hmm. You know, if if Brooklyn continues to ascend, if the Knicks uh, become you know a force to be reckoned with, the Magic with, with Fultz, yeah, <laughs> the Bulls. Right? You have all these ascending, <laughs> all these ascending teams out east. Yeah, yeah, they could get past Jabari by. Parker if he turns around <laughs> right, in Washington. Right, right, yeah, I mean, exactly. there's a lot of teams that are on the way up. <laughs> Sleeping Giants, right? <laughs> um, but sticking with that deal, I I like it a lot for the Clippers. Um, oh, yeah. And they, I you know, at first it was kind of a signal that they were throwing the season away they're in, they're in eighth right now they're trading their best player um I, th- I think you know based on what they did today they're at least going to try to hang around like they're not they're not going to try to tank their way into the bottom five or anything like that i mean they're going to just play it out and see what happens which is basically what they were going to do anyway with harris and if they were 50 50 or even like 30 70 it, it was probably more accurate in terms of should we you know give them a new contract or not if you were going to come to terms with the fact that you know, you were willing to let him walk, you might as well trade him for something. And to get that package, I mean, look, I mean, look at what some of the other expiring players are going for. And then <clears throat> to get the Miami pick, to get another first round pick from Philly, to get Landry Shamit, who, you know, to the casual fan, maybe doesn't mean all that much, but he was basically Philly's best young asset. Mm-hmm. I mean, a far better asset than, than Markel Fultz. <clears throat> to get all that for a guy who you were just going to let walk in two and a half months and maybe not even make the playoffs with him um i mean it, i wouldn't say it's an a plus deal for philly you know probably closer to a b or a b plus but i think that's an a plus deal for the clippers a good deal I, for both sides i mean i might give it like a c for philly uh, I, but the upside of, of getting harris and putting together that starting five i feel like is worth it there's some but i think involved. the downside of re- bringing all those guys back like i think the butler deal is going to be a negative deal the harris deal is going to be a negative deal uh, you still have uh, your primary ball handler who can't shoot at all. Like I, I think that you're potentially potentially just kind of locking in this core that maybe doesn't fit, maybe doesn't get along with two of the guys on gigantic contracts mm-hmm. and probably won't live up to them. Like it, it's just, I don't think having Tobias Harris on you know close to a max as your fourth best player is ideal team building uh it just seems like you're wasting a lot of what he does well by asking him to be the third or fourth option every night and you know it's not like they had a ton of other great options like so part of the reason why that they're down this path is because a lot of other stuff has gone wrong but like i might like this team more if they had just never traded for Jimmy Butler yes. and then just made this Tobias Harris trade, because then they would still have Robert Covington, yes. they would still have Dario Saric, like that. Right. It's it. They just kind of and like Marco Fultz being like nothing. It like it. It all just kind of added up to them being this desperate team, and it only takes one team. Like I, 
who, what was the next best offer for Tobias Harris? Like it can't it have been, been anywhere, anywhere close this. to this, right? So I like, thought my initial reaction was they could have done this deal without the Miami pick, and it still would have been a pretty good deal. I, for the I think it would have been a very fair trade without the Miami yeah. pick, <laughs> without or, the best or part of without Shamit and without the Philly pick. Sure, yeah, which is protected because, like, yeah, to me, like Shamit and the the Philly pick is like about what you and, and i think right? shamit was specifically more valuable to this philly team the way they were using him and how well he seemed to fit in you know he was he's a completely different player now than he was this time last year at wichita state like he was a facilitating point guard who could shoot and they turned him into like a baby jj reddick and he was really good at it and i was i was just willing i was surprised i guess that they were willing to include him along with the two picks but no i agree with, with what you're saying like i don't think this trade in a vacuum is necessarily a disaster for Philly. Maybe I was a little high. B plus is probably high, closer to a B. Um, but the Jimmy Butler deal, like, wouldn't you rather have? And, and granted, he's hurt right now. But if assuming Robert Covington and, and Dario Saric are healthy, wouldn't you rather have them not have all the trouble that Jimmy Butler brings in the locker room, off the court, salary wise, looking forward, plus Tobias Harris? Even if right. you're getting rid of those picks to get Harris, I, I think That's, that still makes more sense. It's like, such a more like interesting. Uh, core like it's you know everyone's sort of because robert covington is never gonna think that he's right well like, like you, more what than you, the fourth what you said before right? was that now half of this starting five is overqualified for what it's being asked to do i think butler and harris specifically are overqualified for what they're going to be asked to do the next two and a half months robert covington would be perfectly qualified to be your fifth option three and d guy right and covington and harris are both better like they, they would be the two best shooters on this team uh, right or behind, behind and, and assuming like, you're subbing out butler for covington whatever shots that you know butler's a higher usage player than robert covington you'd be redistributing those shots to tobias harris who right. is a very efficient three-point shooter yeah i mean i i think they this this is not going to be a super smooth transition i don't think they were going to add tobias harris and go like 25 and 5 the rest of the way i think there's going to be a transition period but I think at the end of the day, they just hope they can slop enough talent together that by the time they get to round two of the playoffs, they you know things come together and, and there we go. I mean, we've seen teams try to do stuff like this, um, you know, for decades in the league. Like, like I'm thinking all the way back to like the when the Rockets added uh, Charles Barkley and Scottie Pippen right. with like Clyde when the Bucks Drexler added Monte and, Ellis, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like where it's just kind of like. Well, these guys are all pretty right. good, so like <laughs> we're all we're gonna be good now. Like, I no, mean, it's, I, it, yep. it almost never works. You never see. I mean, the even team that just even the examples when it does work, right. like when the when the Heat came together, it, there was a long growing period, a like year and a half long period for those guys to figure it out. Right. And I, I'm not worried about Tobias Harris, you know, like being unhappy. I think going from an eighth place borderline playoff team to a really good team in the East is probably good for him, but. Jimmy Butler, if, if you had to make a list of guys who you'd be worried about, like, you know, their role decreasing because you add to somebody, he's number one on that list. Yeah, and I – it there's just – there's going to be some issues, I think, in that locker room because of the fact that both those guys expect to get maxed out this yep. summer. They both play the exact same position. Uh, I mean, would it shock you at all if part of this – was them just secretly thinking, you know, we actually wouldn't mind just letting Butler walk. Like, you know, if, if he wants to go yeah. sign with Brooklyn or with the Clippers, like, we'd actually probably be fine with going forward with this three and letting right. him walk. I, I almost think that that's – now it would be a very, very short span of time from them to go from 
here's this package for this guy that we plan on maxing out to like, actually, we don't really want to max him out. We're going to trade for another guy that we're going to max out. Like it would be a pretty quick flip for them to do that. But yeah, uh, I, I, part of me wonders if that is sort of their thinking where it's like either you guys look really good together and we try to bring all you back or if there's trouble and you guys can't get along and can't figure it out, then we're just going to let you walk and we're going to mm-hmm. keep him. And I think there's a best case scenario where things go really well. You know, maybe sure. you go to the finals, and then at that point, you're 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 able to at least broach the subject of, hey, maybe we don't have to give you a five year max, Jimmy Butler. Would you be willing to stick around for three years and run this back? You know, but and everything least, has to go right. And you could sleep better at night, like giving you know going into the luxury tax, like just being like, well, you know, we got to the finals right. with this team with without even a, an off season to work on things. So mm-hmm. yeah. All right, before we get to the other trades, I'd like to remind you again that we have partnered with DraftKings to bring you six-month RotoWire subscriptions for free. All you have to do is go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings, sign up for a new DraftKings account, and make a deposit of at least $10. At that point, you will get a free six-month membership to all the tools and sports on rotowire.com. That includes all of our DFS tools, all of our weekly rankings, premium articles, full season software and much much more and again you get that for every sport on the site you get all that for ten dollars and you can then use that ten dollars on DraftKings to win even more money again go to rotowire.com slash DraftKings rotowire.com slash DraftKings and just follow the instructions on that page eligibility restrictions apply new DraftKings users only see DraftKings.com for details okay let's do Miritich we can kind of jump around a little bit so the Bucks made a huge splash yesterday and swapped Thon Maker for Stanley Johnson. Um, I feel like that was a, a lateral move at best for both teams. Two really bad first round picks, essentially switching teams. You know, you can make the pitch that maybe a change of scenery is good for one or the, one of those guys. Um, but Stanley Johnson to me never made that much sense. I, I get the the defensive potential, but like he's he's literally one of the worst three point shooters uh, when you take volume into account in the history of the NBA. Uh, also one of the worst true shooters in the history of the NBA. And for a team like Milwaukee, that's predicated on its wings being able to shoot the ball. It never really made that much sense. Fast forward 24 hours and Stanley Johnson is now a New Orleans Pelican. And they were able to basically parlay Stanley Johnson into Nikola Mirotic. Uh, the Bucks also sent Jason Smith, who they got back in the George Hill deal, which was in what November, December. Uh, they sent him uh, to help match salaries and then four second round picks to New Orleans. Uh, now, only one of those second round picks actually belonged to Milwaukee. Uh, one was from Denver and two were from Washington, I believe. So they basically sent out one of their own second round picks, the three incoming second round picks they had, Jason Smith and Stanley Johnson for what's expected to be a rental of Nikola Mirotic. What What were the protections on the... Wasn't it, didn't, I think you said like there was like a heavy protection on one of the Washington. I mean, the only one of those, the only picks of those that could, you know, realistically be, you know, in the 30s uh, yeah. would be the Washington ones. Right. I'll, I'll read the protections quick. So they sent a 2019 second round pick, uh, which was initially from Denver. That one is protected 31 through 55. Okay. So that's. That's Although a, if Denver finishes with a top five record, then that would convey. So at at worst, you're giving up the 56 pick. Right. Yeah. So that's so that one's very, very and, and if that one doesn't convey this year, it just wipes out. So it yeah. doesn't even you don't have to worry about it. Uh, they're sending a 2020 second rounder, which they got from Washington. 
that again was part of the three-team deal with Cleveland and Sam Decker and all those guys. Uh, that one is unprotected. Whoa. So could be like the 39th pick. <laughs> and also a 2021 second rounder from Washington, which also looks to be unprotected. So two unprotected seconds, which like you said, those probably, you know, those probably fall in the, in the 30s or low 40s. So, you know, somewhat valuable, but not having to give up a first round pick, even if it's protected, um, I think it's pretty huge for a guy like Miritich, who granted right now is hurt. He's seemingly always banged up. But I mean, in years past, the Wizards themselves gave up a first round pick um, or no, it was Indiana, excuse me, gave the Wizards a first round pick to get Bojan Bogdanovic, you know, who to me is probably worse than Miritich. Um, so the precedent had been set, you know, that that someone like Miritich would generally command a little bit more. Um, and maybe New Orleans thinks they can get something out of Stanley Johnson. Who knows? But I think this is kind of a home run deal for Milwaukee. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, it's, you know, kind of a lot of the same things we said about the Marcus Hall acquisition for the Raptors apply. Uh, it kind of complicates sort of the rotation, the the front court rotation a little bit, but uh, I would expect there's going to be a lot of situations where Miritich, you're not going to play Miritich and Lopez together all that often, and there's going to be, but when you you basically always have that player on the floor, that stretch big in the yeah. in the corner to run that action with, and you know I think that. Ersan Ilyasova had really struggled uh, recently, and they probably weren't going to want to play him a ton in the playoffs. So uh, this gives them some depth there. They weren't going to play Thonmaker a ton in the playoffs. Obviously, that's why they traded him. And, yeah, just kind of ups their ceiling ever so slightly. I mean, I don't, I don't think it is like, oh, no, the Bucks, like They're, they're going to go to the finals for sure well, now. Is, is like, Toronto <laughs> getting Gasol a bigger leap for them than Miritich is for Milwaukee? Um, see, hmm, I think like name recognition wise, production wise, obviously Gasol seems like the bigger, the bigger leap. But like, I mean, I think Miritich is an ideal fit for this Bucks team. Is he in their best five man lineup? Well, I th- their best five man lineup is their starting five right, right now. So no, I don't it, think so. And, um, I, and but, I think Gasol might be in the Raptors best five man lineup. Is that is that lineup basically their starting five or their previous starting five? But you're subbing Gasol in for Ibaka, Gasol, yeah. Siakam, yeah. Kawhi, Green, Lowry. Yeah, yeah. I but mean, I, I think that's but true. that's yeah. It's oh man, it's so tough. Um, I, no, I think I think it's fair to say the Gasol addition is bigger because he's going to play more minutes. I'm I'm fascinated to see what the Bucks do with with Miritich in terms of yeah. minutes. Like I I could see them just playing him like. 22 minutes a game in the playoffs uh whereas i think the raptors might play gasol like 28 minutes a game yeah um i the bucks just they go pretty deep at every at every position and you know this this does protect you know against you know some kind of random injury um i wonder if dj wilson kind of gets phased out in the playoffs of the rotation um unfortunately i think so (laughs) yeah uh it yeah it's it's interesting because I think that their defense really will drop uh, with Miritich being out there. Um, you know he's a downgrade from everyone else they were giving minutes to defensively. Uh, so that's that part of it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't wait to see uh, how he meshes, but it ups their ceiling, and I think that's the whole point of all these trades in the East is like 
we just want to give ourselves like a, a percentile better chance against the Warriors if we play them. Right. I mean, I, just adding another shooter who's 6'10", like you said, he he's not a true center by any means defensively, certainly not going to offer what Brooke Lopez does in terms of rim protection. Um, I think he's going to end up kind of filling a similar role to Lopez. You know, I, I think at this point you have one of those two on right. the court at all times. Yeah. So those minutes where, you know, I mean, Giannis plays as a nominal center every now and then, um, every now and then when, when Thon would be out there or Ursan's out there with Giannis, like, you know, those minutes, I think, I think, as much as it pains me to say this, the guy who loses the most minutes is probably Ursan. Yeah, no, other I think than DJ Wilson. I basically think he's just replacing Ursan in the yeah. rotation. Um, yeah, so if you're if you're in a league that that counts charges, you can yeah. probably drop Ursan. <laughs> yeah, drop Ursan immediately, and well, no, even so, I'd probably mm-hmm. still hold him. Too much yeah. up, too much upside. So, I mean, I, I think there was some like brief hope that Milwaukee would somehow find a way to convince the Pelicans to to send Anthony Davis for a bunch of expiring contracts and like DJ Wilson. Which was never really realistic. Um, so if, if you know if you're a Bucks fan and you're let down that that this was the only move that the Bucks made, I, I think that's well, kind of misplaced. I mean, did anyone even expect them to make another move? Like, I, I, I mean, someone I, I did see some reporter noted that they were also you know poking around Drew Holiday, um, which makes infinitely more sense than Davis. But that to me that would be a pretty big shakeup, you know, given that they are the best team in the league right Here, now. Give us, give us your awesome point guard for our slightly less awesome point guard who's expiring like, yeah that, that doesn't make any right sense. well i mean it makes sense if if new orleans only goal was to like get the lowest possible salary right sure. next year sure um which it doesn't look I mean, like there'd the be case. a line around the corner of teams trying right. to trade for drew holiday exactly i don't think he was ever all that available um so last night harrison barnes to the sacramento kings he played most of last night's game for the mavs despite allegedly knowing that he was traded what a cool guy um i don't i don't really know exactly what sacramento's doing i i'm not a big fan of harrison barnes but uh believe it or not but well i mean you're uh the the Cavs would have never won a title with lebron if it weren't for harrison barnes that is missing, true like six straight open threes <laughs> there's more than that i think he was like he was a combined like one for nine over over a two-game stretch yeah actually that is a good point maybe maybe i should reverse yeah, you course should, you should be like but I wouldn't be if I was a Kings fan. I wouldn't be like, yes, we got Harrison Barnes, well, and they immediately were like, we want to re-sign him long term. This is our guy. Well, I mean, I think they were gonna they were gonna spend on a kind of middling small forward this summer, no matter what. Like they were gonna overpay. You know, they were gonna try to max out Tobias Harris, and they were gonna be unsuccessful. They were gonna try to max out Chris Middleton, and they were gonna be unsuccessful. And so, like they. These two parties probably join forces one way or another, whether it's, yeah. um, it's a real crash course. <laughs> so, like, I think it's, I think it's fine. They were, they were always sort of. I think they were in on Otto Porter. They were, uh, you know, that there was. I think they were probably interested in trading for Aaron Gordon as well. Like, I mean, I think they were in on all these kind of types of guys. And Harrison Barnes was just the most accessible. So basically, other other guys who are either too underwhelming or too risky for other teams to take a chance on. Yeah, I mean they're just so desperate for a true. And he's he, that's the the funniest part about this is like Harrison Ford's best position is probably the four, and they like wanted him. To they play have the like three. six fours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well that that was kind of my question is like he kind of has to slot in at the three now. Uh, I mean long term. Well, you have Bagley, unless maybe you're planning on shifting Bagley to center, which is somewhat ironic because not that long ago, Vlade Divac said that they were going to try Bagley at shooting guard. <laughs> I think that they... That has uh, not happened. Yeah, still waiting on that. I think that the 
the closing lineup for this core long term is just the the fox healed uh bogdanovich barnes uh bagley like i think that it's kind of your it's kind of your swanigan (laughs) your small closing lineup um but you know for now i you know go i'm good for the kings i mean they didn't they didn't give up really anything here they had endless cap space that they weren't going to be able to get anyone to take so Mm -hmm. uh I, I don't know how they could have like they don't do this trade like what other what's their next move like what's their instead of doing this we're going to do yeah. this and well the other like, thing too is they they don't have their pick no matter what they're right. you know it's either going to philly or it's going to boston there's no protection where if they get under you know a certain draft position they keep it like they they have no motivation to tank this year and i think that is probably part of it and you have to take into account which franchise we're dealing with here one that has not been to the playoffs in forever um and i you know you could could say what you want about harrison barnes but he does marginally help them and the clippers who are ahead of them in the standings are kind of right there are probably going to fall back to some degree uh without tobias harris so i mean if you're sacramento you have to feel pretty good i mean it's it's basically going to be you have looking at the standings right now golden state denver okc portland houston san antonio utah that's your top seven so you have one remaining spot for the clippers the kings or the Lakers. Beyond the Lakers, you're, you get into Dallas, Minnesota, New Orleans, Memphis, Phoenix. Out of those teams, I think Minnesota is the only one that really even wants to make the playoffs. The other four are going to do everything they can not to. Um, and I don't trust Minnesota whatsoever. So it, in my mind, it's basically going to be Sacramento versus the Lakers for that eight seed. What a compelling that's it. first that's, year for the Browns. I think that's it. This is, this is, uh, yeah, this is great. This is a real dose of Western Conference reality for yeah. for LeBron. Like I, I mean, I'm so unsure of what the Lakers are even going to try to do over the rest of the season. Like, I mean, did, does LeBron want to be the eight seed playing with this cast of characters he's playing with right now? I mean, the Kings, I think, want to make the playoffs infinitely more than the Lakers probably do right now. Like. Why would uh, why would LeBron want to make the playoffs with this team? I mean, just for his own personal sanity, I think. Right? Could you imagine? Uh, look, LeBron coming to the Lakers <laughs> was the biggest free agency decision since LeBron going to the Heat, unless mm-hmm. you want to count KD uh, going to Golden State. You can't not like it was basically Western Conference Finals or bust. Now it can't be. Well, hopefully we make the playoffs. Well, but he's none of it will fall on him. Like, I mean, I. Every I don't know. if if the Lakers don't make the playoffs, like people will either blame it on him missing a month with that injury, uh, which is probably the the biggest by far. Okay, to be fair, they, they were playing it. very well uh, without Anthony Davis. I will say right. during that span, they had just like killed Golden State in Oakland on Christmas Day. I mean, they, I'm not saying they were going to do that in the playoffs. I mean, there obviously there was a ceiling on this roster, but there is at least somewhat of an argument. Do to be made you there. want to see Lakers versus Warriors in round one? I would rather have that than the Lakers miss the playoffs completely. Okay. All I right. think that would be a bigger disaster PR-wise okay. for Mr. James. Okay. All right. I yep. mean, I I think it would be fun. I think it would be more fun if the this Kings team, like, made the playoffs on, like, the last day of the year and they were all, like, excited. And then they – I mean, because no matter which team we're talking about, like, they're getting waxed in four games. And yeah, uh, I don't know. I think it would just be more, a more entertaining summer – if this Lakers team is coming off a year where they don't make the playoffs, then 
coming off a year where they get swept in the first. I don't round. think it's going to matter. I mean, we can we can talk to the <coughs> excuse me talk about the Lakers a little bit now. I mean, they their big move was flipping Zubac and Michael Beasley for Mike Muscala. So the last two deadlines have netted LeBron, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, George Hill, and Mike Muscala. They, I mean, I championship. Mean, gotta, oh, and Larry Nance, and Larry Nance. Got to shoot your shot. Yeah. So another rough outing, uh, rough deadline for for GM LeBron. I mean, they're not getting Davis this summer. It, I, I don't unless Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball have the greatest second halves you know that we've seen in in a long time for guys who are not good players. Um, I don't know what the path is to getting Davis. You know, you maybe you wait it out and hope that unlike the last two free agents that you thought would sign with you when they were eligible, um, maybe he actually follows through and wants to go to LA. But at that point you're talking 2021. So what is the plan for this summer then? Um, you hope that the Warriors don't give Clay the max and that, which that they will. offends him and then he goes to you. Which, yeah, which is like a point five percent chance i just i don't he i think he would only go to the lakers as a as a last resort like, yeah does like, clay thompson I, strike I, you as no, someone who enjoys no. lebron james and would want to play with lebron james absolutely not no 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 no. yeah like yeah it, i mean i think he thinks lebron is the corniest man on the planet right right i mean clay's clay's not interested in in that lifestyle no um <laughs> clay uh, would be awesome as lebron's number two i'll say that but i don't think he wants to do oh that. right i mean maybe nobody would have ever fit better than yeah well Clay i mean LeBron. you remember lebron knows how to make the ball right. uh fit right in shooters hands right. with the with like the laces right where they want them yeah um i mean that's you and i do that move sometimes yep. too we, we were poor at it last night uh but um you know boogie cousins i think is an interesting wild card name you know because yeah. like that's who we're starting to look at now. Right. Your boogie cousins <laughs> is your jimmy butler's your chris middleton's your eric bledsoe's i do I would love to just have LeBron go down, like us give him a list of like the 20 best guys that he could possibly get in the next couple of years and just have him tell us which ones he just doesn't straight up doesn't want. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Jimmy Butler might be on that list. Like, I don't know if LeBron wants to go to practice and go to games and be on flights with Jimmy Butler, who thinks he's like almost as good as LeBron. And plays But the I think LeBron is the one guy who could like put, put Jimmy Butler in his place. To some it, isn't that what everyone said about uh like him and Dion Waiters? Like I mean we're talking about <laughs> what? way different way different players, but like like that, <laughs> I, I have not heard that. The exact know. same like ego type of thing. Remember when like he went to Cleveland and it was like, Oh yeah, Waiters like he's already oh, like, LeBron and, I thought you yeah, said Jimmy no, Butler no, and no, Waiters. No, no, like what? No. The one guy Jimmy Butler like, respects like, Dion Waiters. No, no, I mean I don't think Yeah, no, I agree. You, Waiters was out of there before the deadline. You don't want like a guy on LeBron's team who thinks he's as good as LeBron and is like several steps below. Well, you want is Kevin Love, who will openly, <laughs> you know, admit that he's nowhere near as good LeBron and go stand in the corner. Um, so who like so Boogie? I think Boogie is like the most realistic. Yeah. Um, like who else is even in this conversation? Like, um, well, the problem is the Lakers can't go too crazy and then take them out of the Davis twenty twenty sweepstakes. Right, right. But at that point, like you're just you've you will have burned through half of LeBron's contract. And does, does, how appealing is it for Anthony Davis to come play with 35-year-old LeBron? That's that's the... Like, that, that's needed, the, that needed to happen now. That's really kind of the Celtics trump card in all this, yep. is, like, he may not want to go to Boston, but you trade for him, and a year from now, he's not going to want to go to L.A. Like, unless, like, 
all he cares about is just being yeah. the face of the Lakers for the next like decade. Well, you trade for him, and assuming Kyrie stays, you, there's a pretty good chance you win the title if Durant leaves Golden State. And is he going to is he going to win the title in Boston, and then his contract is up, and then say, you know what, I'm going to leave this title winning team to go join LeBron, who just even, finished seventh in the West. Even if last he year. doesn't win the title, like they're going to win sixty games, yeah. and like they're going to be a th- you know a serious title like favorite for most of the season and all the games they play are going right. to be huge and like big events and uh yeah no matter what happens that Boston team versus that Lakers team it's just not going to look even close to as good of a situation mm-hmm. so uh the, the yeah the, the Lakers are really kind of screwed here uh, I mean yeah, they needed it goes without saying they needed to get this deal done before the deadline I mean everyone's been saying that for the past two weeks I think there was still, uh, I can speak to it firsthand, there was still this hope that until <laughs> until that clock turned to 201, you know, that, you know, maybe the Pelicans were just playing like extreme hardball and at the end of the day would finally cave and it sounds like it never even got close. Do you think that the, like what type of offer, so like let's just say they had their pick of like any and all of those mediocre young guys yeah. and then how many first round picks with what protections would the Pelicans have been stupid to pass up on? Because, like, the rumor was, like, two firsts. Uh, right. And they didn't go to three, but, like... I thought... The, I heard the Pelicans wanted four. Right. Plus three or four second rounders. So, I mean... I, I mean, I think there's a deal there that would have been better than even, like, a Tatum and Picks deal. Like, if you're getting four future yeah, firsts right. that aren't protected, uh, or maybe just are, like, top one protected right. or something like that, at well, a certain point, there's enough firsts that yes. are better than the Tatum package. And I think you have to think of it not as, okay, we're making all these picks. Those are assets that you can use, right. you know, and especially when you're talking about picks that are 2024, 2025, you know, not, they're not coming up this year and all of a sudden they turn into player X who you, you know, assuming the Lakers are a decent team over that span at the very least, you know, I think that's part of what's, what was unappealing about the picks is, oh, as long as LeBron James is in LA, no matter who they bring in or who they sign, there's no way that pick is going to be ultra valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're always going to make the playoffs. So you're looking, you know, I think to the Pelicans, those picks don't sound all that great, but to other teams, you never know. Like if, if you, if there were three or four first round picks on the table that you can then use to get off of bad money to, you know, add free or, you know, add a young player via trade over the next couple of years, I think that becomes more valuable than the one piece that you're getting from Boston and Tatum. Um, but, you know, we'll see. It's, it's a risk on both ends. I mean, obviously, the, the Lakers, had they been willing to to go to the extreme lengths that the Pelicans, you know, were, were apparently demanding, it, it's a risk to give up that much in any trade. I mean, it's it's kind of the Herschel Walker debacle, which obviously backfired on Minnesota back in the day. So what, what percent chance do you think uh, <clears throat> that Tatum is in the package uh, for the Celtics? Because I, I still wouldn't put it past... Danny Ainge to just say like you still can't beat this Jalen yeah. Brown plus these three picks plus like Marcus Smart you still right. can't beat that so either take that or go back to the Lakers like what well if you want to if you want to even say like if Tatum's off the table and you want to quibble about you know like all right let's say let's say the Pelicans value Ingram about the same as they do Jalen Brown and they value you know Marcus Smart on a new contract about the same as they do Lonzo or something like that the picks that Boston can offer are not Boston's picks. And mm-hmm. those picks are late first round. You know, Boston's going to be picking in the late twenties for the foreseeable future. 
you know, the Memphis pick. I think they have a Clippers pick. Like these are these are teams that are in much more volatile positions, whereas the Lakers are offering up their own picks. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like this little kind of enticing unknown about where these other picks will fall, especially that Memphis one, um, that I think makes that package maybe a little more intriguing. I I mean, I guess it kind of depends too how much you think this is just all posturing by Rich Paul. Like, would Anthony Davis really never consider signing in Boston, or was that was that a contrived approach by his camp, by his dad? You know? Oh, I think it was a hundred percent. Like they were doing everything in their power to uh, swing things so that th- like this Lakers trade happens. Yes, right now, now that now that it's not happening, right. then like you know, I I don't I didn't really buy any of that stuff. Um, and we've, I mean, it it doesn't mean that he's gonna resign with the Celtics. I just don't think that they were even talking from like a place of reality. I think they were just like, what can we possibly say to, I think they told his dad, Hey, say this publicly. It'll, it'll sound better coming from you than it will from our camp. Yeah. Um, and I also think it doesn't matter. He could, he could reiterate on June, whatever, whatever day he can be traded again by Boston or traded for by Boston. He can reiterate again. I'm not signing with you. And even if he says that looks directly into, into the camera, and they trade for him anyway, and they go have a great year, maybe he does resign. I mean, we've seen Paul George literally did that exact same thing, and look where he is now. He's in OKC for the next four years. And Kyrie kind of becomes uh, a major domino here because if he decides to go to New York or – I mean, I guess we should say is Kyrie the – like Kyrie and Boogie, are they the – two most likely by far to go to the Lakers this summer. I don't buy the Kyrie stuff. Maybe okay. it's just me not wanting to believe that it's it's actually a possibility. Okay. I don't I don't I just don't think that that's real. Okay. That would be such a crazy move by Kyrie. He's I he's mean a crazy guy. He's crazy. <laughs> he's a crazy guy. I mean if anyone would do it it would be him. <laughs> I like do you are you so do you think Kyrie stays with the Celtics? I think in order of most likely scenarios, Celtics one, Knicks two, Lakers three. Okay. I think I buy that. Uh, but I don't think Lakers is like a less than 5% chance. I think it's like a chance. The uh, fact that he won't deny it and, the, I mean, he, he has an obvious, he can't even outright say, you know, I'm considering the Lakers. I mean, as a player under contract, you can't do that. But the fact that he's been so weird about this, and again, you have to kind of take it with the the caveat that it's Kyrie and you just never know what he's thinking. It's not, it honestly wouldn't, it would sort of seem crazy on its face, but it, it, to me, it's almost like, um, you know, sometimes you like, you're, you're dating a girl, you like break up with a girl, you date some other girls and you're like, Oh man, I really kind of miss that girl. I was dating for a while back then. I didn't realize how good I had it like back then. Like it, it's, it wouldn't actually be that surprising to me if he was just like, Actually, playing with LeBron was pretty nice. I mean, yeah. my my sneakers were still selling really well. Like, I right. still got to be on tons of ads, and like, I didn't have to deal with any of the pressure. Right. Like, it was kind of cool. And L.A. I mean, there's yeah. I could see, and you know how much vitriol he's probably been getting from stupid right. Celtics fans that are like trashing him now because yeah. of the fact that he won't commit to staying. With well, I think Kyrie, Kyrie left LeBron for like a younger girlfriend and now it turns out that he's, he's annoyed with her that she's trying to make him listen this to girl's Demi crazy. Lovato. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's, it's an awesome storyline. Like it would be, it would fit in line kind of with both of their careers as far as like, you know, LeBron is very clearly aware of the narrative that he's weaving. And, and I feel like Kyrie in some ways is 
you know, trying to go down that path. And maybe as, as people who follow this, it's easier for us to, to look at it through that lens. But I mean, that would be, I mean, what a, what a wild career swing that would be for those guys to link up, win the title like they did, break up like they did, and then get back together in a new city. Um, and obviously on top of that would be Kyrie publicly stating that he's re-signing in Boston and filming a Nike commercial I mean, where those, he's those, talking about getting those, his jersey uh, retired. Celtics banners, Nike commercials would just live on as like one of the greatest the, the single best part, if that were to happen, the single best part would be the one trip that the Lakers make to Boston that next season. Uh, I don't even know if he could go on that trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be kind of like the Ennis Cantor doesn't go to Europe thing. <laughs> He's just in like an underground bunker in Montana. Um, okay, let's go quickly through a couple other deals. Uh, last night, uh, right before our rec game, actually, you know, that it, that was part of the reason I think we lost is I was thinking about this Otto Porter trade. And I just couldn't focus. Yeah, we, were, we were really shook by this. Yeah, Otto the Bulls Porter took trade. on Otto Porter. They send Jabari Parker uh, and Bobby Portis to the Washington Wizards. Not really sure what the Bulls are doing here. Otto Porter, I mean, I, is overpaid. I, I think I know what the Bulls are doing. Like they, <clears throat> please do tell. Well, they've wanted a small forward forever. Like they just have never been able to find a competent small forward since Jimmy Butler left, and they have, you know, their quote unquote point guard. I don't think Chris Dunn's all that good, but. <clears throat> that's a guy that they got back for Jimmy Butler, and they're going to treat him like their uh, franchise point guard for the foreseeable future. Uh, they have their shooting guard. They have their power forward. They have their center. And now they've got their <clears throat> starting lineup, and it all fits perfectly, and they're going to win you know, 33 games next year, and this front office is going to hope to save their jobs. Because if they didn't – if they didn't improve this team just for next season, I think the front office probably gets fired at the end of the 2019-2020 season. Uh, the Bulls front office? Yeah. I don't even, I don't know if that's even – is that legal? Is that it, it's impossible for them. Yeah, like, I'm not yeah. sure that's – yeah, I don't think – I think you're wrong on that one. I mean, I think it – either they are just this bad and this delusional or they are just trying to save their jobs because there's no way that you – because now this is their team. Like, they, yeah. they, they don't really have any way – to get noticeably better uh this is their core and they just need a miracle basically they need Otto porter to reach a new gear Wendell carter to like or retire. reach four new gears and like chris dunn to i don't know i mean it, it's i wonder what their vegas over-under is going to be next year because you know there there were bulls fans that thought this current team was going to make the playoffs this past year um i mean i don't know 32 and a half wins i mean that's the core that they have and it's going to be not good enough to make the eight seed in the eastern conference i mean on, like i said to you last <laughs> night um between possessions like I, I i on paper the bulls have a really interesting starting five of dunn levine porter markin and carter uh but i just we've won half these guys can't stay healthy we haven't really seen them all together for an extended span and obviously porter just joining isn't going to play with wendell carter maybe until the final two weeks of the season they seem to have soured on Chris Dunn, probably for good reason. Um, so there's obviously a pretty big hole at point guard going forward. Uh, campaign was unable to fill that, weirdly enough. I, I thought he was going to come in and grab that job, and he was released shortly after. Um, and, I mean, you've brought this up for a year and a half now. Like, it's just hard. Like, Zach Levine's numbers, his scoring numbers look good, but it's just really hard to win with that player archetype. Um, and I think, you know, to some degree, 
Phoenix is kind of seeing that with Devin Booker. Not that he's, you know, by any means the only issue out there, but the score first high usage shooting guard who is a negative on defense, you know, we, it's it's very hard to win with that type of player. It only <clears throat> like it you're either kind of of the James Harden caliber, like just one of the best scorers yep. we've ever seen or and if you're just like 75% of that, like 70% of that, then it's just a complete disaster. Right. Well, I mean, you you see I mean, Clay Thompson is kind of an anomaly in that he's an incredible shooter on the he's level. He's low of, usage, though. Like, well, right. I mean, he's like, in terms of like dribbles per minute, he's probably last in the NBA. But he also is a great defender is the bigger mm-hmm. point. Right, you know, right, like right. most of the time, if you're a good defender at shooting guard, you're just a three and D guy or, you know, just a guy who plays. You know, it's like you're either Marcus Smart or you're like a West Matthews type. Like it, it seems like most teams just default and like almost throw out the shooting guard spot. Like how many teams have a star shooting guard? In 2005, it seemed like half the, yeah. like that was like the glamour position mm-hmm. was shooting guard, and now it seems like it's you know I mean, kind of stretch five or like point guard. Bradley Beal, yeah, pretty much. I don't know, and Victor yeah. Oladipo, right? Like, <laughs> How like, many really good teams have a star <laughs> shooting guard? Not um, many. Like the yeah, Zach Levine. The fact that he's such a terrible defender is is really kind of just his downfall as a yep. player because he has the tools to be able to guard ones and twos pretty well, but he's just so. Like he's way worse than Harden defensively. Like, yeah, I, I, I thought you were just gonna say overall. Like, no, yeah, I think like, so. No, like just the, he's really, really, really bad at defense. Yes, and, and you can't like it doesn't matter what. Like, it's not even just Zach Levine. If you have one guy out there who's a complete turnstile on defense, it doesn't matter if he's your shooting guard, your small forward, your center. Like, I mean, it's I, I don't want to I don't want to say he's like the Ennis Cantor of shooting guards, but you get played off the floor or your team wins 11 games at the all-star break. Like it's, it's, it's really, really hard to have that guy be in your rotation, let alone be your number one option on offense and play that guy 35 minutes. Okay. Uh, Markel Fultz. We got to touch on this one. The, the, the Sixers somehow got a first round pick in this. It's protected. It's from OKC. So, you know, it's not really going to be anything great. Uh, we're unable to, to pry Terrence Ross loose from Orlando, but they did get Jonathan Simmons um i mean more than anything this just kind of closes the door on a super super depressing last two years for markel fultz going from i i mean you really can't overstate and it seems kind of silly now but like how sure of a thing he was coming out of washington the fact that philly was universally lauded for giving up what they what they gave up to get him and get up to number one of you know a valuable pick to boston um you know, we have no idea how close he is to actually playing. We have gotten almost no updates since he took this leave of absence from the team. He, he'd been back recently, kind of watching games, being around the team. But we don't even know if he's going to play for Orlando this season. I have no idea. And Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue made a good point that – or actually, I, I think it might have been Zach Lowe maybe. But, like, it was the Jimmy Butler trade and the Tobias Harris trade don't ever happen – if Markel Fultz is just what Markel Fultz is supposed yeah. to be. Like, that was supposed to be their young core, those three guys. and him, Two of which are out would still be on rookie deals. Right. And him being this bad just kind of screwed everything, everything. up. <laughs> I mean, you could argue they don't make the, the deal to get Butler. Like, no, ev- yeah, everything they that they've don't. done, you you just reset it. You know, This team, as it was coming into the year, yeah, they back... Def- I mean, I, when we did our projections, like, I was, you know, I feel like we were being fair and, like, you know, thinking like, all right, there's no way Fultz can be as bad as last year. He has to bounce back. And he we we did the uh, the staff keeper league 
auction and I called Foltz for a buck the best buy of the entire auction because I was just like, oh man, what? <laughs> that's going to be such a great keeper. That That's going to be an awesome like long-term guy to have. Like it, it just, it all just kind of went up in smoke and I'm really blown. I was, I think the biggest surprise for me at the entire deadline was that they got a first round pick, no matter how yeah. bad that first round pick is going to be getting, I just, I'm able never to confirm guessed. you were you were legitimately floored I w- when, when <laughs> I, I told you they got a first. I, was, th- I think you thought I was kidding. I was really shocked that they got a first back for Fultz because yeah. not that you know I it's all fine to you know make this upside play like maybe you know maybe he unlocks you know what he what he used to be, uh, but it's a bad contract because of what the first overall pick gets paid like that. Yeah. It's it's bad money. Like you're trading <laughs> you're trading a bad contract. Like I think. 29 teams would have looked at that contract and said that's a negative contract and i'm, I'm just shocked mm-hmm. that they got a first round pick back so the big overarching question with folds like where are you at right now um i guess i'll phrase it this way in in three years what is markel folds doing is he a starting point guard in the nba is he bouncing around somewhere is he still in limbo is he in europe like where's where's markel folds in three years man um Oh boy. Part of me wants to just say he's not playing basketball at all. At some point his opportunities are gonna run out. Like, well, I at some like point this... he's gonna not want to keep trying. Right. Like at some point it's just gonna be too kind of embarrassing for him and like he's just Yeah uh gonna walk away like like a pitcher, like with like Rick Ankeel or whoever, like when when you get the yips and you just yep. it's just too embarrassing and uh I I really hope that he somehow just unlocks the player he used to be, and I I don't think that we can rule that out at all. But I think the most likely outcome at this point is that he's just never really anything. I wonder if there's some sort of like experimental like brain surgery or something they could do because <laughs> it does like the fact that he's been out for so long. These two two separate extended absences. He's he's worked with literally the most renowned shooting coaches in the world. You know, he's had every possible mm-hmm. evaluation, examination, treatment. Like, it, it does seem like if it comes back, and like I'm speaking from obviously zero medical experience, like it almost seems like it would be a snap thing, you know, where he either gets it or he doesn't. Like, they've tried to retrain him to shoot, and like that hasn't worked. Like, he goes into like an experimental coma. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Just, like, they, like, they just like, like, send him into a coma and just hope yeah. that he wakes up. And he's <laughs> like, like, at the last second, Daryl Morey <laughs> trades a second rounder for his rights when he gets out of the coma. <laughs> um no I mean it's it's sad like I I don't know I mean I I know there's probably people who aren't Sixers fans who are like really reveling I think Celtics fans uh specifically are probably really reveling in how this has turned out but like from a pure fan perspective like it would have been really cool if Markel Fultz was the player we thought he would be of course whether he's I don't care if he's making Philly better I don't care if he's playing for anybody like he was just such a cool player, and we, I feel like I, we've been robbed. Like I want, you and I personally have been robbed. I wish Brandon Ingram was the player that I thought he was going to be. I wish okay, Josh well, at least, Jackson was the player that I thought he was going to be. Like this is I wish, not like those situations. Yeah, <laughs> I wish OJ Mayo was the player I thought he was going to be too. But I mean, yeah, you you never want to see one of these guys like uh, have this happen. It's just really, really sad. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be. I mean, does he go to summer league? He didn't this past year. I mean, wh- like, when do we? F- well, is there is there any a world in which he comes to terms with the fact that his jumper is just never going to be better than 
you know, like, all right, I can shoot these like weird floaters. I can get to the rim a little bit. Like, can, can he ever have that like Sean Livingston moment and just kind of say, I have to be a completely different player. Like to me, I don't, there hasn't been many indications. And, and obviously to his credit, like when you're that age and this, you know, this was only you know less than two years ago, he was a great player. It's hard to accept, but is there ever a world where he, like he can still be an NBA bench player based on his intangibles, his size, his athleticism. So, I, you know, I've heard people say that he has these, this great defensive upside and I've just, every time I've watched him, he just looks like a complete dog, like defensively. Like I, I, it's a rat defender. I, you know, Marcus smarts, almost the type of archetype that he needs to kind of try to transform into where he's just so athletic and so intense and just willing to like lay out for pretty much everything. And I wouldn't say Fultz exactly oozes intense. Right. That's, that's the (laughs) thing is like, he just, Marcus Smart punched a fan. He would need to completely change as a person to to ever kind of become a Marcus Smart type mm-hmm. of player. And you know he's he's got these sort of um, swagger and just kind of carries himself. You know, like a offense first primary ball handler. Yep. And he, yet he can't do any of those things anymore. And he just it's it's tough to kind of change who you are. Yep. Uh, on the fly like that so I I don't know I mean well there yeah like you said I think there's there's something innate about becoming that type of player where you you just make your bones on defense like who are the guys it's a mindset well the guys who come to mind are Tony Allen Ron Artest Marcus Smart and they all have that same common like like you said that dog in them and like I don't know I don't you know maybe maybe that's something you can develop but it, it seems like you either have it or you don't and there's not many players who develop into that player throughout the course of their career you have to sort of want to be a, def- a defense first yeah guard slash wing and it's just there's just almost no no <laughs> those type of guys just don't really exist that right. often well, in the it, nba because everyone came up as a as a primary scorer on every mm-hmm. single team they played for and like you don't f- flip that switch off usually it's hard to get your get your due i guess pl- playing that way or get in some ways you could just view it get your money like marcus smart is being paid and, you know, I would not, he's not on an elite contract, but he's making a lot of money to do what he does and shoot the way he does. Not many players in the league can pull that off. You have to be so elite on the defensive end um, that if you're going to be a complete negative on offense, it's still worth the team to pay you a $40 million deal. And not many guys can get there. And I, I obviously have my doubts about Fultz being able to do that, but I hope it works out. Orlando has very little to lose here. I mean, they're, they're kind of still alive in the Eastern conference playoffs. So I don't know how much they're like, if, if Fultz is cleared in two weeks, are they going to roll him out there for 30 minutes a night and just say, keep trying, see what happens? I, d- I don't know. They're kind of in this spot where they're not exactly trying to tank. Like they've been good enough that they're not going to get into that Knicks, Cleveland, Atlanta, Phoenix tier. Right. I mean, they could have been sellers at the yeah. deadline and they, well, they sold Jonathan Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think everyone would like to see Fultz ASAP, you know, so I, I yes. think it's kind of up to him though. Like if he, if in two weeks he wants to go out there and play, then you'd let him play. If he doesn't yep. until the off season or whatever, then that's that's the way it goes. Okay, we'll wrap it up. Last point of news: the Dallas Mavericks have waived Zach Randolph.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.